All right. Greetings, everyone. This is Eric Stewart from Fishing Fanatics, and I got an awesome podcast today with Jamie Hartman. Jamie is a 12-year pro in the circuit, and he's won two Elite Series titles, one at in 2019 at Lake Huntersville, another one in 2019 up in his hometown in New York. So how you doing, Jamie? I'm doing excellent. How about you? I'm doing great, man. It is great to have you on this podcast. And I was I was doing some research about you, the 21-year pro. It's crazy to see how you got started into bass fishing, kind of where your career took off from. And learning that story a little bit, your story is a little bit different than everyone else's. Um, tell me a little bit about it and tell me how exactly your mom helped you get in the fishing. Uh, well, that's where it really, I guess, was introduced to me, um, was by my mother. We grew up in a little town in upstate New York, and we grew up on uh, what's called the West Canada Creek, and we had fishing right in the backyard. And that was, you know, trout fishing, catching suckers and whitefish and, you know, just a little bit of everything, uh, bluegill. Um, so, you know, it was right in the backyard and mom would take me out there. I mean, my dad did too, you know, but my mom came from more of a fishing background with her father and, um, and, uh, her sister. So she was the one that kind of pushed me towards the, not pushed me, but introduced me to it. And, you know, I just, I loved it. You know, I'd spend all my time out in the backyard and whatnot. And then we'd make annual trips to the St. Lawrence river with my aunt. Um, and my, and my mom, we go up there and, uh, spend a week at a time and rent a boat while we was up there. And, you know, that's where I remember I caught my first largemouth bass was at St. Lawrence river, um, from the dock. And I remember running up the road with it on the string, you know, or on my line. And, uh, man, it was, I'll, I'll, I'll never forget it. You know, it was eight of top water too, of all, all things. So a strike I'll never forget, you know, um, man and it just kind of snowballed from there just i just fished just like uh recreational fished and never even thought of really getting into the competition end of it until it got to be it was uh the year 2000 as a matter of fact when i when i got into the competition end of it and then it just took off from there so what made you take that jump from just, you know, fishing with your buddies or just like having fun going out fishing to, you know what, I'm going to really try my hand at this competitive fishing thing and kind of just go for it in 2000. Like what changed with like with your mindset there? Well, it's kind of cool because I was, I was uh, shot archery professionally. Um, I traveled around, did a lot of um, outdoor archery shooting and indoor archery shooting. Um that it was going to be something in my life was going to involve the outdoors one way or another. So I did that for quite a few years, shot the archery. Um, and I loved it. I absolutely loved it, but I, there was no money in it. So I had boxes and boxes and boxes of trophies. What do you do with trophies? You can't sell them. You can't make, you know, you don't make checks, stuff like that. So, um, there was one weekend when it got into the, like I said, the year 2000 where I had a shoot coming up on a Sunday, I believe. And I ended up skipping it and I fished a local, uh, I don't know. They put on a local uh, tournament down at what's called the barge canal, the Mohawk river in upstate New York. So I skipped the archery shoot and I went to this thing. Um, and I ended up winning it and I ended up winning big bass. So at the end of the deal, they handed me two different checks 
and there was cash. I mean, it was, you know, so the light bulb went off and it was from that day forward where, man, I wanted to get into every event I possibly could. I wanted to join a club. I ended up joining two different clubs, uh, got a buddy to fish with me as a partner. And, you know, it just went from there. Um, My buddy didn't want to proceed going, you know, professionally with it or, or just stepping up the ladder. So I took on a new partner and then it just ended up where I, you know, was winning tournaments and winning AOI and, and I just got pushed to go to the next level, jumped up to the next level, which was in the FLW, the BFLs, where you fish for yourself, you prove yourself, you know, uh, see if you can do it on your own. And I did. And, and by the time I was finished at that level, um, I had seven BFL wins and five AOIs. And it was just that time where, man, you got to, okay, I proved it to myself. Now let's see if we can get even higher. So I took a, a year to try to qualify for the elites. Uh, my, uh, the first season I came up just short. I came up in 12th. I was working at the time. And it just wasn't giving me the time I needed. So what I did was I actually resigned from that job. I quit that job and fished full time the next season and ended up qualifying for the elites. And then, you know, after that, it was, oh, crap, man, I, I got to get some money together. <laughs> and, and that's what I did. Absolutely. Just plugged away. Dude, that's awesome. So it really like was like a stepping stone for you where it started like you were fishing with your buddy. Then you took the next step, you know, let me see if I could do it on my own. And then year after year, you just kept climbing the ladders there, ended up quitting your job or leaving your job and then focusing full time on this. And I think that step where it's like, okay, you got a full time job and you're probably comfortable in your full time job to just translate it all the way into professional bass fishing. That's got to be a huge step for you. Yeah, it was. Um but the full-time job I had at that time was for a 10-year period, and I absolutely hated it. So it, it wasn't hard to leave it. It was a, it was a truck-driving job. Um, I drove semi-truck, and it was only because they allowed me the time off that I needed during the season to go ahead and do the tournaments and kind of chase what I was after. You know, it was, it was an agreement when I took that job. The one I resigned from before that was an upper management job at a big really huge beverage uh, company out by Utica, New York, where I'm from. And um, they just allowed me two weeks off, you know, a year, and I couldn't take them during the summer. So that that job was definitely not going to work. But, you know, you you make choices in life and and you chase your dream and you do what you got to do to make it happen. Absolutely. I love it. That's a great story right there. And let's focus on your, your the town or this, the, um, you know, the state of New York. Because it's one of those states, I'm, I'm from PA and, you know, I'm more than happy to take the six hour drive up to Lake Oneida or um, I'm going up this summer to the St. Lawrence River and probably some of the best smallmouth fisheries up there. Um, let's start with Lake Oneida. What, um, what have you been seeing over the past like five years that you've been catching more fish up there? How's the fish population? Then also like what do you throw during different times of the year too? Um, Oneida Lake. Oneida Lake's gone through a transition. Anida Lake used to be absolutely phenomenal. Like it was ranked, you know, one of the high, it had one of the highest fish populations per acre of any lake. And it's not that big of a lake, you know, it's 23 miles, 24 miles from end to end. And it's, you know, like a big, not a bowl, but a big oval. Um, but it, it had a big fish kill. 
um, man, I want to say four or five years ago now, it had a big fish kill, which was, man, I called it a while back. I, it's going to happen because there's just too, too many fish in here. I mean, the, the smallmouth were, when they schooled up, man, there were hundreds and hundreds of them. And it was the coolest thing because it was one of those lakes you could go to and you don't see it much except for, um, you know, some of the herring lakes and stuff like that. But you don't see it with smallmouth very, very, very rarely. This was one of those lakes that those smallmouth schooled on the bait fish and the perch fry. And it was it was just world class fishing, man. It was so much fun. Um, and then we had that fish kill. And on top of that, we got gobies introduced. Um, so it definitely has changed the fishing there. Uh, the one good thing is the fish have grown up. Um, you used to be able to catch good bags there in the fall. Um, but during the spring, you know, summer, when our, our season opens, third Saturday of June, um, so it's after the spawn. And, you know, you'd see 20-pound bag here and there, but they're largemouth, mostly largemouth. Uh, your bags would average, you know, you'd have an average bag of 15 pounds of smallmouth. Now you can have those 20, 20 plus pound bags of just smallmouth there. Those gobies have come in, they plumped up the bass, you know, with the where our bass grow wide now instead of long, like a like a Tennessee smallmouth would or something like that. Um, so they they just they grew up there. Um, there is not as many. You can definitely tell the population. Uh, from the local guys, we can tell you the population is not the same, um, but the fishing is still still out of this world. Uh, it's a great great place to go to recreation fish to uh, you know tournament fish, and like I say, man, those big bags have gotten there now. You catch one out of there now, and they look like they come from you know an hour up the road at Lake Ontario. So it's it's still a lot of fun. I, I do guiding there in the summertime, and my clients have a blast that's that's awesome so the what what happened with the fish kill was there just an overpopulation of fish where um uh, like that one of the, like i forget which one it was uh the largemouth bass or the the bass virus and uh, they was washing up all over the place um i got a buddy that lives on the lake and he said man they were just stacked all the way down the shoreline just dead dead fish, dead smallmouth. Um, so, you know, it was, it was inevitable. There was just too many fish there. Um, so, you know, life takes its cycle and, and lakes go in cycles. And, and unfortunately that was one of them because it, the schooling won't be there anymore. I don't believe every so often you see them bust on some fish, but nothing like it, it was before because of the gobies, I believe. For sure, they don't. They don't have to pull up on them bait fish like they used to. They can feed on them gobies whenever, and they, and they get a lot of them. Gotcha. What about um, you know, uh, the St. Lawrence River, or you know, any any tips about anyone going up there? Because selfishly, I am going up there for the first time ever. So, Thousand Islands. What are you looking for? Like, you're going up there, newbie going up there. What are some tips that you would just be like, yo? If you're going up there in this time of the year, do this. If you're going up this time of the year, do this. Yeah, that's the thing. It's time of year. Um, you know, early season, of course, they're all up shallow. They stay shallow for quite a while. You know, they'll get into the season of staying shallow third Saturday of June. Uh, you can still find them on beds up there, you know, if the water's cold. 
So a lot, a lot of shallow fish in the beginning of the season. Then you get into August and you get into mid-August and then they start getting deeper. There's always fish shallow still though. I mean, almost always. Um, you just won't find those huge populations of fish shallow. You can find a lot of good fish and on a tournament, you can survive shallow for a day, maybe two, you know, but I wouldn't say too much more than that. Um, you got to mix in some deeper stuff with it. So they'll start to move out. It depends how hot it gets. Obviously, the hotter it gets, kind of the deeper they'll go. So when they start getting out there, they're going to go 18 to tw- you know 21 foot, somewhere in there, 15 foot even, Got you know out on the lake. And they'll just transition deeper. And then it's just a cycle. Comes to fall, starts cooling down. There they come back up again. Yes, you can catch them out deep. And they come back in and they're hungry. I mean, and they're big and they, that some of the, uh, that's one of the big things I miss about being up there in the fall is getting out on Lake Ontario and some of the, the Bay, Shamo Bay and Henderson, when them fish move back up, gosh, they're a lot of fun. And they're, they're, like I said, and, and you just, you, you sight fish a lot of them. They're, that's how you do it. You, you can see them cruising all over. So you just pitching to the ones and when they bite it they go crazy because they're in five foot you know or less a lot a lot up to two foot you got me excited to go up there let me tell you depends what yeah. you're going yep yeah absolutely the um so um let, let's wrap it up real quick so i always like asking the pro guys what, what's your biggest largemouth bass and biggest smallmouth bass uh in a 989 that's my biggest largemouth I uh, caught that at Lake Fork in Texas. I have not broke a double digit. I don't. Apparently, I don't spend much time down in you know, in the South and Texas and wherever else you may you know come across one. Um, smallmouth bass is uh, gosh six six four is is my biggest smallmouth. So I mean you know that's that's a big fish, but you know you you can. Even New York, I mean, uh, gosh, I forgot what they pulled last year. It was well over seven. I think it was pushing eight pounds last year, if I if I remember correctly. And it was just, I mean, massively wide. So it's, it did pretty cool. I ain't hooked one of them yet, but I've seen a seven pounder uh, get caught, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, we had one in the Elite Series year before last that was just over seven. Dude, I can oh, only imagine oh, the shoulders on a smallmouth that is like seven pounds. That thing's like a football, probably. Like, yeah. oh my god, enormous! I mean, <laughs> someday, yeah, <laughs> someday, please. All right, man, that's awesome. So, Jamie, I really appreciate having you on here. Um, I'd like to take this time at the end of the podcast to kind of let you um shout out anything you got going on, like your guide service. Where can people find you for that? And where can people find you on social media and all that good stuff? Yeah, Jamie Hartman Fishing is is my contacts through Facebook and uh, Jamie Hartman Pro Fishing for Instagram. And you know, I I do answer stuff through Facebook or or. I get to it when I can get to it. Um, I guide up in New York. I guide mainly on Ida Lake uh, during the months of, it'll be beginning of June, July, August, and a little bit of September this year. Um, and taking out a three weeks during that time period for 
an event at Lake St. Clair and two events, one in Champlain and one in St. Lawrence River. So in that time period, it'd be three weeks or I won't be available. Um, but other than that, man, if I put a post out on Facebook, it just starts filling up and I can literally guide every day. Um, and I never, never, and I can say this, never have had a disappointed client. No matter what we do, I make it happen and they catch him. Least amount of fish we, uh, an older fellow ever caught was two. And he was still happy because he caught a four pound smallmouth. So, <laughs> but, can't, can't uh, go wrong yeah. with that. No, no, no. So, <laughs> once we get rolling, man, I'll take, you know, y'all want to get a hold of me on Facebook or Messenger. That's the easiest way. And uh, once we start booking up, I'll, I'll get I'll get loaded up and get busy. I love it, man. Anyone who's listening, the links for the description, the links for the guide service is in the description of this podcast. Check them out. Um, Jamie, it was great having you on. Hopefully someday down the road, we can get you on another one and kind of wrap up the tournament and see how you did. Yeah. Excellent. I'm game. Cool, man. I appreciate it. Take care. You betcha. Take care. You just listened to the Fishing Fanatics podcast with your host, Eric Stewart. Feel free to check out our other podcasts and our other interviews on our channel, on Spotify, YouTube, and much more. Check out our Instagram page, TikTok, and Facebook as well.